What's up, everybody? This is Waterfowl Wednesday, episode number two. I'm Canyon Clark here with Tyler Kiefer. We're going to be doing this probably every other week for right now. We discussed it a little bit on the last episode and kind of between then and now, and we didn't get one out last week, so kind of by default, we're going to shoot for every other week, I guess, right now, <laughs> until, you know, things slow down with deer season for me, uh, or if we start, you know, lining up some guests and we have enough where we want to do every week, we'll do that, but for sure, every other week, we'll put these out, so... If you guys didn't, go back and listen to episode number one of the Waterfowl Wednesday and then come back to us. We're going to talk a little bit about some stuff uh, Tyler brought up. Yeah, the, talking about, oh, kind of lost my train of thought here for a second. You were talking earlier about like uh, some guys have been pushing kind of for a split season. Yeah, it's always been lingering in the air of Illinois going to a s- split season, but you know, in my personal opinion, I don't think it ever happened because the state is so big. Right. As it is, it'd be hard to put a split season in because of how many zones we have. You'd have to change the zones, mm-hmm. everything, just to make that work. But I don't right. see that ever happening. And uh, like a split season, you're talking like <clears throat> it opens a certain date and then runs till like, let's just say November something, or it opens in November and it runs till like December something and then it stops. Like it's and then a there's a break, break in the middle. Yeah, like two or three week break, and then right. it finishes off all of January. Right. Okay. And what's the, like, I guess the benefit in that is they think it's less pressure for the ducks, and you're going to have more birds working, or? I feel, I feel like that's my, in my opinion, yes. Yeah. Uh, it's a little break for them to kind of, you know, just like deer hunting, there's a there's a lull, you mm-hmm. call it, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Like right now, we're it's December what? December sixth. December sixth mm-hmm. and it's fifty degrees outside. <laughs> right. I mean, there's no migration going on right now. Right. I mean, yeah, you're gonna have your few stragglers come in. Ducks are always gonna move right south. Right. But you have to have hard freezes up north to get the ducks down mm-hmm. here. Yeah. It's gotta they gotta have some reason to come down because if yeah. it stays warm for long enough, they're never gonna make it down. And we've had years like that, I think, where a majority <laughs> of the ducks don't even make it down until late in the season. That's what it seems like. Or after the season. I'd say the, a lot of stuff you see after season is actually ducks coming back from the south back yeah. up. Yeah. And you're seeing a, you'll see a lot more different varieties of ducks at that time. Yeah, because you see, I guess, the different varieties fly down at different times too, right? Yep. Usually your first ducks to come down, believe it or not, are pintails and teal. Mm-hmm. And your wood ducks, I mean, they're, a, lot of, a lot of wood ducks are local birds anyways. Yeah, right. But... Your pintails and teal are your first ones to really come down. Then mm-hmm. obviously everything else follows suit. Your divers are usually your last ducks because big water doesn't freeze up as fast, and that's where they mainly are. Right. Um, that makes sense. Yeah, I guess that's why a lot of guys have a lot of good hunts in that early teal season. Yeah, that's, that's what it seems like. Yeah. If if you get the weather right and, the, and they're here, mm-hmm. obviously it's a wild animal. You're not going right. to predict when they're going to be here. So Right. So with the the split thing, because <clears throat> what I was telling you about down there, like Horseshoe in Union County, they almost split their weeks because you can hunt uh, what Wednesday through Sunday, and that's Monday, Tuesday break, like down there every time, which kind of gives the birds a break because there's refuges down there, so they do hang out some, and they're still in the area, right? But I wonder with the split season... If you take a two-week break, are you even still hunting the same birds in the back half of that? Like, 
And what I mean, I would assume you could catch that at just the wrong time and and miss some birds moving down and moving out. But I don't know how long they hang around either. You know what I mean? Honestly, it just depends on you know public ground wise. Did they plant anything? Mm-hmm. Did uh, DNR or whatever plant any corn, any any stuff to keep the birds there? Right. That's what keeps the birds around. Open water and food. Mm-hmm. That's what's going to keep your birds. So yeah, if they don't have either of those things, they're not staying anyway. No. Like, but but right. if you do, then potentially that split in the middle could, yeah, give them a little bit of a break and and I guess maybe they hang around longer because they're not getting shot at all. The yeah, time. there's not not much pressure. Right, that makes sense. I guess that's with anything else, any kind of hunting. Now you're talking about the Union County where they don't hunt on Mondays and Tuesdays. You said mm-hmm. there's another public place that doesn't allow any hunting on Mondays. Yeah, around here. So yep, and I think. A lot of guys say that the Wednesday hunts can be the best ones because they don't hunt on Mondays and Tuesdays. And anybody that's ever been to those places knows that, like, it's sky-busting birds. The blinds are supposed to be 200 yards apart, but they're pushing it on some of them. And then even that's wide enough or close enough that you can get birds swinging and guys are shooting at them, working your set. Happens all the time. And then, like, the birds are just so gun-shy that they won't work and they won't come in. Like, you got to shoot them high. Or they're not coming down to you. Like, they might make two passes and then they're gone. Unless you hit just a really good day or some fresh birds. So I think that Monday, Tuesday, especially if you catch maybe some fresh birds coming down on a Monday, Tuesday kind of thing, mm-hmm. that Wednesday hunt can be really good. But, like, I guess you could see the same thing on that. If you do that with the whole season. Yeah. <laughs> you could have less pressured birds, especially if you had new birds move in during the split. Because then those birds have have no pressure down here yet for like a week, a week and a half, and then they're probably going to work a lot better, be a lot more receptive to calling, decoys, all that kind of stuff. A lot of, I mean, you got to think, when you say you get new birds down here, they've been shot at. Oh, yeah. <laughs> since Canada. <laughs> yep, yep. All the way down. So, I mean, they're, they've seen things that, you know, mm-hmm. they've seen it all. Oh, yeah. You, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> Especially, and I think if you have, <clears throat> if you got private ground, you're probably a little bit better off for like a maybe a lease because I think the birds figure out pretty quick where they're getting shot at the most and where they're not. So they're going to go to those places where it has less pressure. So maybe you're going to have a little bit better chance of them coming in and working. But even like, uh, and maybe this is somewhere somewhat across the board, but it seems like if you got mojos out there flapping on some of those public places, they just like they're take gone. one look at it and then they leave. Yeah, there's. They've just seen it. Yeah. I, I don't hunt with them. Mm-hmm. I have one. I actually won it off of a Mojo Outdoors giveaway. Yeah. I've put in for those for years and finally got it. <laughs> finally won something. <laughs> yeah. And I maybe used it one time. Mm-hmm. Uh, only time you really use a Mojo is during diver, if I'm hunting diver ducks. Yeah. Now, I've seen them suck right into that thing. Like, they'll come land almost at the feet of them. But other times, it's like you wonder if that's they flare up there after... They make one pass or two passes, and it looks like they're coming in, and then they flare and leave. Like, oh, yeah. I'm sure that has something to do with it sometimes because they're so used to it. I, I think so. And they see those things there, and you also wonder, like, okay, they've made two laps around it, and it's still sitting there fluttering. Do they, have they figured that out? Like, that, why is this duck still in that same spot flapping its wings and it's not landed? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how smart are they, I guess. But I, it's a, that's a tough one. And I'm – that's the kind of stuff that I want to get into with, like, if we have some guys on, too. Just to get their opinion, see what, yeah. they're, see what they're really saying. There's all kinds of stuff. It's like in deer hunting. It's like, 
broadheads and different types of bows and like all those little things that some people think really matter, <laughs> you know, but maybe it's just an opinion thing and whatever you're most comfortable with or whatever you like. Yeah. You know, it's like the deer I shot yesterday that I only had one side expand open. Yeah. But it's still the deer ran 30 yards. So I, that's the I, thing I when you hit them where you're supposed to hit them. <laughs> I probably could have killed that thing with the field tip. I know that's illegal, but <laughs> right. Right. It's just, it just wouldn't have bled very much. No, probably not. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, even like on ducks, like different shot loads and, and types of shot that you're using and stuff like that. Uh, that's interesting stuff to get into also. Well, I don't know. Yeah. I think a lot of stuff changing as far as, I mean, if you want to talk about the different ammos, mm-hmm. I mean, we can talk about just how expensive it is now. Yeah. Man, you can't go out and buy the $12 box of Winchester Super X's no more. They're, they're $20 for a box. Yeah. And I, obviously we saw a big rise in ammo cost during COVID because yeah. everybody was buying everything, right? <clears throat> so I don't know. A lot of stuff has come down, but I don't, you know, like maybe they figured out that the people who weren't buying like the Black Clouds and stuff like that were buying Winchester Super X and they were like, we could raise the price of this a little bit and people are still going to buy it. You know what I mean? Like this, we're the we're the budget option, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so if we're still cheaper, we could raise the price a little bit, and you make even more money, and people are still going to buy it because there's nothing below that, you know. No, I mean, I, I wish I wish they were still twelve dollars a box, right? thirteen dollars a box. I've killed several. I mean, a lot of ducks with them. Yeah, I would. I wouldn't say I've killed a lot of ducks, <laughs> but of the ducks I've killed, a lot of them have been with Winchester Super X stuff. You know, those are. I am a true fan of the um federal speed shocks yeah just the maroon shells yep they get the job done oh yeah yeah and when you <clears throat> when you shoot as many times at one bird as i do sometimes <laughs> i've been there <laughs> it's like it's painful if you got some expensive shell in there yeah when you have one bird come in and three guys jump up to shoot it and mm-hmm. one of those 20 dollar birds <laughs> takes nine shots you know you're like <laughs> yeah Jeez. <laughs> if you hit Did it. Somebody kill it. <laughs> yeah. And then he turns around and gives you the middle finger and flies much. off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's Take some tail feathers right at you, flying away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've had that happen plenty of times. Me and Jason, we went all, several times. He would always go with me to, like, Union County or Horseshoe, and he would get he got permits for a couple of years to go down there, and uh, which just means you get first in the draw. You get first dibs. And... We tried so hard to get him his first duck. I mean, he probably hunted for a year or two years before we ever killed one. And we had to have some decent days where we get to shoot a couple times, you know, but a lot of bad days when he was there. And he just was, we were drawing the wrong days when he was going, right? But one of them come in to like 10 yards, like a big duck. He's a mallard. (laughs) Yeah. Right in our face, like you want them, cupped up, coming down, and we both jumped up and emptied the guns <laughs> about as fast as you could blink. And that thing spun around and flew off, and I know the guys in the blind next to us were laughing because it, it had to look like he was sitting down on top of the blind, and we both <laughs> missed him. Like, well, that was probably your best chance at killing the duck right there that we've had. We eventually did get him one, but just one. But yeah, that was... It gets rough sometimes. <laughs> I've been on plenty of hunts where I'm like, what am I doing wrong? Mm-hmm. Is it, am I not shouldering the gun right? I, I catch myself doing that a lot. Coming up short. Or I put it on my shoulder or I 
put my cheek too high on the mm-hmm. on my rest, and I look down my barrel, and you know, if no ducks around, I'll jump up sometimes and just practice putting my gun on my shoulder mm-hmm. just to see if that would help. Right. Because I mean, yeah, a lot of people you can go out and shoot clay birds all day, mm-hmm. and you're not wearing a coat, you're not wearing waders, you're not wearing all your stuff. Right. I mean, you could have three, four inches of layer layering uh-huh. on, and then. And you're not that crouch- gun's gonna shoulder a little different. You're not crouched down and waiting for them, and then excited when you finally hear that kill them, you know, or when yeah. they finally get close, because that makes a difference too. Because then you're like, oh shoot, I gotta get up there and shoot them. There's there's been times. I mean, we've had big groups of ducks come in, and I, I I'm not gonna lie to you. My first shots were probably not even on my shoulder. Yeah, for sure. It wasn't even up on my shoulder yet when I shot. Mm-hmm. Just some of the big groups I struggle with is because I will shoot into the group instead of picking a bird. Yeah. And I'd say a lot, a lot of people, people do that. Have Fox that same shooting. issue. Yeah. I'll just pull up and like, okay, I'm I I'm, I'm there. In I'm in the middle of the group. And like my first shot or two is like, what are you doing? By the third one, maybe I catch one. But and I guess you're really not supposed to use the bead either. You know, a lot of guys say just pull up and point the barrel. Both eyes open, right? And that can be kind of a guide for you, but I don't know. Sometimes I use it, sometimes I don't. I'll say I I tried to get right on that bead Mm -hmm. and put it right on them. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously 20 yards. You don't have to lead them at 20 yards very much. Right, 10 yards, no. I mean, obviously 30, 40 yards, you're getting out there a little bit. Mm -hmm. I don't even want to shoot a bird at 40 yards half the time. Right. If I try a tough shot. There's a a lot of times I'm out there, if I'm hunting, I want them birds in my face. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there's, I get more enjoyment out of killing three birds that did it right than killing 10 birds that I'm shooting 40 yards high. Oh, yeah. I think there's more enjoyment out of that. You you, you get the satisfaction that, you know, I called this bird in. You yep. Know, I, what made this bird want to come in to my spread or to my calling, whatever. Yep. I, that. That's just my opinion. I'd rather kill It's more about the hunt than it is the bird. I think so. I'm the same way, and I'm that way with deer hunting, too. Like, I want it to happen the way I want it to happen. Yeah. I'd be a lot happier with a 140-inch deer that came into either a food plot I planted or in front of a stand that I set up because I thought that's where they were going to come, and it was like that cold, crisp morning or whatever, and you had the hunt. Pictures of Like what you're talking about. And then and killing him versus like a 170-inch deer that either maybe someone was on a deer drive and I shot him with a gun. Or I walked up and bumped him on the way to the stand and shot him with a rifle kind of thing, you know, like, yeah, he's a bigger deer, but it's just not the same. And same way with ducks. Like, I've found myself in the same boat, and I haven't even, you know, I'm not, I've not killed half the ducks that probably you have and a lot of other guys have, but, like, like just like you're saying, so much more fun when they come in and they work and they come down and do it like they're supposed to as opposed to. And there's no better, you're getting me hey, chills I got, talking. <laughs> I got lucky and knocked down a couple of them. You know, yeah. or three or four, whatever. It's, not, it's definitely not about the limit. No. I mean, don't get me wrong. I want to I want to kill limits just as much as the next guy. Oh, yeah. Right. But I want to do it the right way. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, the public spot around here, their, um, their draw system, the, the spot where they do all the drawing for your, your blind or your, your stake or whatever, mm-hmm. you're only allowed to have uh, 25 shells now. Yep. A 25 shell limit. Yep. I think that's great. Mm-hmm. It it stops a lot of people from sky busting. Yep. I mean, you're still going to have it, obviously. You're still going to have oh, people yeah. that don't follow the rules. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you're going to take the chance of getting caught, getting yep. a ticket, you know. Right. 
That's the way it is down there in those places too that we go with the, the it's permits. It's 25 and stuff. show limit. 25 shows per person. And uh, uh, they put a decoy limit and everything on you too, you know. But yeah, 25 shells and. A decoy limit? Mm hmm. You, you can only have three dozen, maybe? Really? <clears throat> There's not a lot of big pools. Well, if I go down there with you, I'm glad you told me that because I was going to bring everything. I'm <laughs> I'm such a minimalist when it comes to decoys. Oh. <laughs> because, and here's why, because we're talking about that experience thing. To me, it's not fun to freeze my butt off throwing out four dozen decoys to kill the same amount of ducks that I've killed over a dozen or 24. You know what I mean? I get it. <laughs> like. I am, I am what you call like the Mondo spread guy. <laughs> yeah. Like my boat is now. The running boat, mm-hmm. and then my buddy obviously has the other boat with the, with the blind, the whole bit. Right, his boat is full of decoys. My boat is full of decoys, and we throw out pretty much all of them. Yeah, I think you know hunting, hunting pressured birds sometimes making it look as, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for, as inviting as possible. Right, I guess. And you do see that, like even on those public places where one or two ducks lands and they don't get shot at, and then three or four more land. Well, eventually it becomes a pretty decent group, and then every bird is going down into that spot because yep. there's a bunch of ducks swimming around in there, which makes sense. I just, I've also had, I mean, I've killed a, a, quite a few ducks on, you know, two dozen decoys or less. Oh, trust me. I mean, I've killed my ducks over a dozen decoys before myself, but yeah. I don't know. I like the variety. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people out there. I think it makes a difference too. Kind of change the subject here, but as far as your variety of decoys, like, do you, in my opinion, I think you have a better chance of killing different species of ducks if you don't just have, you know, mallards out. Oh yeah. Say, say everybody just throws out, you know, five dozen mallards. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that doesn't look. Doesn't look as natural. No. And I've killed teal that, like, I'll have, we'll have, like, even on the lease, there's tons of decoys out. They're all already out there, right? Yeah. So we might go move them around or whatever. But they're all already out there. And then we'll throw out, like, I don't know, six teal over here. And there'll be, like, three dozen mallards right over here. And those teal will suck right down to those, or those teal decoys. Or, like, even... Hunting where we're throwing out our own decoys. We may put out 24, and let's say we put four teal out. They will come right to those teal decoys as opposed to going and landing in mallards. Like, I've seen them do that multiple times. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know what makes them. Because then, then you can go back to the old hunters. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of those guys back then just used jugs. Yeah. Black jugs. Yep. And they killed, like, milk jugs or whatever. <laughs> yep. And they killed ducks. Yeah. Like, so does it really make a difference? Right. Or... Is it just you're in the right spot at the right time? Mm-hmm. And I think some of that is like with different birds like that is size matters. I think a pintail probably can recognize a pintail. You yeah. know what I mean? They're, they're they're a little bit more distinct. They have the ones that have the more distinct characteristics. But like a teal versus a wood duck, they probably come down to the wood duck decoys too. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? As I just think it was the, like in those instances, it's you've got geese decoys, you've got mallards, you've got teal, maybe you've got some pintail. It's like they're coming down to the smaller birds that they see because that's like, that's what they, they are. I think. And then, you know, obviously you have your life-size decoys. If you Mm -hmm. want to talk about GHGs or, you know, Higdon is another example. Mm -hmm. They have life-size, they have magnums and they have battleships. Mm -hmm. I mean, the battleships are massive. 
you throw your arm out trying to throw those things <laughs> right. sometimes. Yeah. Especially if they're foam filled. Mm-hmm. They're like three pounds of decoy, it seems like. Yep. But I think a lot of that just has has a play in it too as far as the you want them to see it. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it'd be pretty neat to get a drone just to fly, just to see what a duck would, mm-hmm. what is a duck looking at from the sky right. coming in. But and if they're they're up there like that and you got those great big decoys, maybe it's they, instead of just seeing little specks, okay, they recognize that as a duck. They don't, they're not smart enough to realize that that's a giant duck, right? Yeah. Like they just, hey, there's I mean, a duck. By the time they realize that, hey, this don't look right, you mm-hmm. should be killing it. Right. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, a drone would be cool to see what they're seeing. I mean, I've seen plenty of YouTube videos of, you know, different people. I think one of the groups that I've watched is Daybreak Outdoors. Mm-hmm. And they do um, they do a lot of cool hunts. And it's obviously a bunch of private ground. A bunch of guys go out and do guide hunts. Right. But they'll do their drone footage and show, like, their decoy spreads or, you know, just birds flying in general, which I thought they were pretty cool looking. but. Mm-hmm. But seeing their decoy spreads, and all you do is you just see these little dots. Mm-hmm. It's like, is that what a duck is really looking at? Right. And do they realize? Do they recognize what's telling them that's a duck versus any other bird? Yeah. Or it's like, oh, that's or anything. It's like I'm a mallard, but that that's that's a widgeon down there. I don't, I don't <laughs> want to go down there, you know. Right. Like I don't think or they like, notice the difference. Well, uh, you know, is that a duck or a coot? Yeah. <laughs> like it's just a little speck. I don't know. Obviously, they see different than we do, but. Or they say they do. I don't know if anybody's ever asked one. Yeah, I haven't. <laughs> and got a reply. <laughs> Most ones I've been close to have been dead. Pretty much. Or watching them fly away because I tried to kill them. <laughs> exactly. Didn't have time to ask. No. Yeah. Yeah, that's, and that stuff too is some, I think we'll have some good conversations with the guys that will have opinions on that kind of stuff too. Yeah, we'll definitely have to get some people in here. Mm-hmm. And even like those guys like Daybreak Outdoors, even the guys from Dive Bomb, they're like, from Missouri, right? Dive, dive bomb, bomb, yeah. They're Saint, based out of Saint. I think it's Saint Charles. I think so, Missouri. Yeah, they're fairly local to us. Like, if we could get some of those guys on just to talk, I think it'd be cool too. For sure. And they would have a lot of interesting opinions on the decoys, I'm sure. Yeah, um, they just they just came out with, uh, like their diver decoy line. I just actually watched their video mm-hmm. today or yesterday. Yeah. They yeah. went on a diver hunt on Lake Sinclair. I think that sounds right. Uh, there is a Lake Sinclair. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with up that. north. Yeah, yeah. They uh, they produce a lot of really good content. Um, hopefully, we'll be able to put some videos up. We'll just have to see how it plays out. But yeah, it's but, man, filming duck hunting's got to be tough. It it is. I mean, I've never done it personally, but just seeing all the work that has to go into that, and even just like the filming part, like with deer is hard enough, and that's a two hundred pound animal that's moving. Relatively slow most of the time. A freaking duck that you know, a little a little bird whipping through the air, like just to be on that, be in focus and having them in frame, and then you got you have to have multiple angles in the duck hunt, yeah, in my opinion, GoPros. to make a good one. GoPros everywhere. <laughs> yep. Or those tactic cams, you know, for your barrel. That kind I've, of stuff. I've seen a lot of videos with those tactic cams. They do a lot of slow motion stuff. They'll come up on the bird, they'll sh- mm-hmm. show you. Obviously, that's one thing it. I like about dive bomb videos is that I guess they're tactic cams that have the crosshairs on them or whatever. Yeah, the, you or can the kind dot, of the red dot. Or the dot. You can see what they're looking at and how far they were leading the bird, assuming that it's sighted in. And I'd assume it is. Yeah. I would assume that those things, and I don't know because I've never messed with them, but you 
you shoot your gun and then you can adjust that dot in there probably to wherever your gun shoot. Because it's obviously going to be lower than your, yeah, it's than your dot. Good two inches lower. And yeah, two inches at thirty yards is a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot but I guess you could sight it in that way. It's shooting where you're aiming, or yeah. that dot is where you're aiming. Which is, to me, I think it's probably that way, and that's kind of interesting. Just seeing where those guys are breaking shots on the bird, or ahead of the bird, or below it, above it, that kind of stuff. Because that's a that's an art in itself, knowing. Judging how far the bird is, how fast they're moving, if they're coming up, if they're going down, if you need to lead them, if you don't need to lead them, how far. It's honestly, it's honestly the luck of the draw. I mean, because you're you're still shooting a choke. A good choke makes a difference. Yeah. And pattern your gun. Yeah. I mean, I know the past couple years, you know, we talk about COVID and stuff like that. What's the the ammo crisis that we were in? Mm hmm. It was hard to pattern a gun because everybody was just buying what they could. I mean, some people didn't have any ammo. And I know in my gun cabinet right now, I got four different four different brands of ammo mm-hmm. for a waterfowl. <laughs> right. And, I mean, obviously I just grab a box and throw it in my blind bag. But, you know, I, I, don't, I don't pattern my gun. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and that makes a difference because if you... Like, that could adjust how you're leading them or not, you know, if you yeah. don't kind of pattern you're shooting. Or maybe just, okay, these this brand of shell or this size shot or whatever doesn't pattern as well out of my gun and this choke tube, you can adjust things to get it where you want it. I did buy some Fiocchi's. I think that's how you say it. I think so. Brand. We'll go with and, that. And uh, the brass actually swelled in my barrel. Really? And it wouldn't eject the shell. So I'd like, I finally ripped it open and it actually bent the brass where it, mm-hmm. where it grabs your shell supposed to spit it out mm-hmm. i end up having to take my barrel off and finding it i'm hunting <laughs> had to find a stick or something mm-hmm. and i'm like ramming it down my barrel to try to get this shell out I finally got it out but i was like maybe it's just a fluke and i've never had any problems after that but yeah it was just that one shell it yeah. shot fine right but it just didn't eject hmm. so i don't know that's the problem. The first gun that I bought for duck hunting is an H and R, and it shot really good. I bought it used. It shot really good for a lot of years, and then it just like, who would not eject anything? Like, didn't matter what size. Yep. What size? H and R. I didn't even know they made. Yep. <clears throat> it was a. I forget even the model of it now. I sold it, but uh, it turned into a single shot basically because I shoot. <laughs> And then go click, and I'd have to reach up and rack it out, right? I mean, that's what they're known for is their single shot. <laughs> exactly. That's what it turned into. Wanted to go back home. <laughs> yep. When it was working, it was a really good shooting gun, you know, especially for the price I paid for it. But then I got rid of that, and I actually got the Beretta Ultima it A300 Ultima. A300 because there's an A400. Yeah, I got the A300. Yeah. It's, I have no complaints about that thing so far. I love it. And I did a lot of, like, researching beforehand because I was kind of between that or the Super X. And for the extra $300, I just got the Beretta from all the reviews and stuff I saw. There are definitely differences, and I think the Super X is a little lighter. And it does, it did feel a little better at first in my hand, but I also think it was closer to that H&R as far as the, like, the feel of it. So I was a little more familiar with it versus that Ultima was a little bulkier, but. I really like it. The controls are all oversized, you know, all that, that kind of stuff. The first gun I had, 
Remington 887. Mm-hmm. It's a the waterfowl edition of the 870. Yep. Pretty much it's all plastic. Yep. It it was definitely a boat paddle. <laughs> you could use that as a boat paddle. You could shoot your ducks with it all you want. <laughs> yep. Uh, I, when I first started hunting them, I was hunting with just a, a Mossberg 500 pump 20 gauge. You don't want to talk that. about having to get them close. <laughs> 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 that was part of the problem. When me and Jason were going at first, before I bought that H&R, a 12-gauge, we were both hunting with a 20-gauge, so we had to get them close, then we had to be on, because you're not shooting near a big a pattern either. No, I I think it'd be a challenge. I've watched, I'll keep going back to a few videos, but I watched a video of a guy, he was using 410s, mm-hmm. and over under 410, and I, I think that'd be so cool. It's I got fun a, to hunt with stuff like that, yeah. More of a challenge. <clears throat> I got an old 410 at the house that I wanted to use, but I was told the barrels kind of pitted a little bit. It's mm-hmm. over a hundred years old. Yeah. It's my great grandpa's gun. And I always wanted to go shoot a duck with it. Just right. to, just to say, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, this I, is my grandpa's gun. I got a spot where we could do that. Well, if there's ducks thing is I can't shoot steel shot. Oh and yeah. They won't let me shoot steel. The, gunsmith told me not to shoot steel shot because the barrels pitted a little bit and i don't want to blow the barrel up yeah wow. so maybe i'll just settle for a squirrel or a rabbit there you or go quail yeah. behind the house or something there you go uh yeah it's it's fun to shoot that 20 gauge and like obviously you can shoot it all day long but a lot of people are switching to them yeah i have enough trouble hitting them with a 12 gauge <laughs> <laughs> i'm not ready for another challenge yet yeah, it's kind of like the guy that starts deer hunting, and he goes from gun hunting, and he's just finally getting him killed with a gun. Then he goes to maybe a crossbow, and then to the vertical bow, and then whatever after that. Yeah, I'm still way at the. I'm at like the 270 trying to kill a deer <laughs> <laughs> with the 12 gauge. I haven't. I haven't made it past that yet. One of these days when I get good enough, kill enough of them all, maybe I'll try something new. But I don't think you could ever be good at duck hunting. It, it's just a right. I mean, there know, is so much luck that goes into it. I think there's a lot of luck that goes into it because, mm-hmm. especially hunting public. Yeah, you know, you you can you can scout all you want, and yeah, you're probably going to kill a lot more birds the more scouting you do. But at the same time, you're going to have situations of they were there one day, the next day they're not. You know, I think that has a lot of play into. Yeah, it. you you can like you said, you can do all that scouting and then. The day you go, nothing there. <laughs> nothing lines up. <laughs> We've even done that on, like, the lease down there in Missouri. Like, the day before, guys will be, guys will kill out there. It's just packed. Yeah, the next day we go in, nothing. Or there's no one hunting there, and there's just birds all over it. So, we like, <laughs> we pick that one for the next day. Nothing. Like, it's just the way it goes. Luck of the, it's a lot of luck of the draw, even if you're not in a literal draw. But, we got anything else for this week? No, I think that's, that's a wrap. <laughs> We'll call it good for this week. We're going to shoot for around 20 to 30 minutes. We got a pretty easy 30 minutes out of today. so Yeah, it went pretty good. Yep. So we're, that's what we're going to shoot for uh, if you guys didn't listen to the first one. And we're going to do this every other week. New Waterfowl Wednesday. We're going to have some guests on. We'll talk about some stuff that we're trying to do. All that kind of stuff. But we appreciate you guys tuning in. Don't forget, if you are a deer hunter, go check out the other podcasts as well. We got the Ridge Hunter, Outdoor Podca- Ridge Hunter Outdoors podcast comes out on Mondays. Uh, we do a full draw Friday episode on Fridays most of the time. Sometimes it comes out on Saturday when I get busy. Uh, and then we do have Fall Pursuit still on Tuesday nights on YouTube. So go check all that stuff out as well. And we can catch you guys again next Wednesday.